So today's a little different. Instead of me being clever like I was last week or yesterday, whenever this actually comes out, today we're going to do a little bit of an experiment because I'm recording this right now on Sunday, April 26th, and my discussion you're about to listen to with Nelson Rodriguez was recorded on April 1st, which is the day that we pretty much got the sense that the coronavirus was in our household. Long story short, I'm pretty sure I recorded this with the coronavirus, but make no mistake, I wasn't feverish. I was clear-headed, I think, and this is the first one of these that I did, so it's pretty amateurish, I think. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't, but I'm getting better, I hope. Luckily, Nelson is a pro, so that helps a lot, but it's an opportunity for us to listen listen to my voice, see how I sound, especially at the end, and then compare it both to what I'm saying right now and also to the future episodes which were recorded about three weeks after that, that, that first one then. So this is Robbie Hart, and we're out of office. Science edition. We'll come back for Indian summer. We'll come back for Indian summer. We'll come back for Indian summer. Um, hi everyone, this is Robbie Hart, and this is Out of Office. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, someone who I aspirationally reached out to and was like, I don't know if he's going to do this, but uh, I met him because my son was a lifelong football player, soccer player. He has played soccer, played soccer historically since he was three years old uh, in the, at the YMCA League in Houston, Texas, Bear Creek. He continued to play, played in Los Angeles, and we were there for five years. Got to play with David Beckham's kids for two months' worth of training sessions, which was awesome. And then we moved to Chicago, and he played with the Chicago Fire Juniors for about five years or four years. And uh, again, a wonderful experience. And I met uh, our guest today um, under bad circumstances because somebody had betrayed a lot of trust to, to everyone involved in the club. And I watched the uh, general manager and president of the club get up in front of a bunch of parents and behave like a leader should behave and, and, and really be present and responsible and responsive and just, you know, just handle things in, in a really great way. Uh, so I, I couldn't imagine anyone better to talk to as we talk about, you know, how we work and how we do the things we do, because it's important that we have people doing things the right way. And there's a lot of people who don't. So uh, I'd like you to meet uh, Nelson Rodriguez, president of Chicago Fire Football Club, FC. Correct, sir. Thank you. It, it is. Thanks, Robbie. I appreciate this opportunity to chat with you and your listeners. So. Again, what we're here to, what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is number one, just be a little present, be connected, and uh, and have people share a little bit of their experiences and stuff. But uh, it's really about work first and foremost, and kind of the work we do. And one of the things that I think is exciting about this is we don't get to see what people do. We don't know what people do half the time, right? So what is what does the president of the Chicago Fire FC do? <laughs> Well, for for us, uh, we are very much a values-driven organization, and we uh, we recruit to our values and we try to live by our values. And those values also serve to help drive us towards our north star. So, 
The club has undergone a, a massive transformation uh, in less than a year, uh, physically as, as well as somewhat philosophically. You know, we've set for ourselves a bit of an audacious vision, which is to become the undisputed club of the 21st century. And our daily mission in trying to reach that is synthesized in three words, win, serve, and grow. Look, we're, we're a professional sports organization. You're measured by your trophies and your medals, so you have to win, um, and right. winning is, is at its core. The service part is very much in our DNA. Uh, we don't look at serving our community as a responsibility or as an obligation as much as we see it as a calling. You know, we, we want to be present. We want to be the club that all of Chicago can't live without. And then finally, it's about growth, uh, growing our club, but also growing our sport and our league. You know, we're we're passionate and fanatical. We call it football, um, and uh, you know, we so we think of things as win, serve, and grow. And um, getting to be the president means, you know, I, I need to help chart that course and make sure that we stay on course. What does that look like for you? Like, how do you recruit to the values? Obviously, for the win part, I get that. That's pretty straightforward. But the rest is important, as important, I think, as any of it. But look, even, Robbie, even to the win part, I I wouldn't dismiss it. So, you know, I'm no longer the general manager. We've hired a new sporting director, a gentleman named Georg Heitz, who uh, has a magnificent track record winning the Swiss League eight years in a row with Basel. But even there, we always put the person ahead of the professional. Uh, we always put the person ahead of his or her talent. And we spend time speaking about values with people that we're recruiting or considering, whether that's a player to join the first team or, or that's uh, someone joining our corporate partnerships group. So we want to know the person, uh, what's important to them, how they live their life. And for the most part, we've been fairly successful in, in getting the people right. Um, so that's, that's really important. And then it's in our actions. You know, um, you referenced at the top of this, you know, we had a, a, an unfortunate situation that occurred with one of our affiliates in, in, in a program called the Fire Juniors. And um, I appreciate the kind words you said, but I think it was important that we do stand up and we look eye to eye with people and explain where we think we could do things better, explain what happened to the best of our knowledge. Um, and while that incident is is still a legal case, so I, I can't really discuss it, you know, I do think that um, we've come out stronger as a club and as a program because of it. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. Uh, let's switch gears. What, maybe you can tell us what you guys are doing now. What does a soccer club do when you can't play soccer? Well, you know, uh, just prior to, you know, the, um, the health situation that we're all facing and, and I'll take this moment to really implore people to listen to city, state and national authorities and medical health experts. Um, please, Please respect social distancing. Please stay at home. Um, it is the only way to combat this at the, at the time. But the club had begun a transformational change. It really began a year ago, March, 
when we presented to ownership a three-year strategic plan. Um, to my knowledge, it was the first time that such a plan had been presented and ownership ratified it um, in its entirety. <laughs> really? In, in that time. Were you surprised? You know, <laughs> uh, you know I was proud of the work. I, I think our staff put in a, a great amount of rigor um, and vigor in, in developing that plan. And I, I was pleased that, that ownership aligned with it. And so in that time, we've moved out of Bridgeview, moved to Soldier Field, uh, relaunched uh, our brand with a new crest, a new logo, but more importantly, with a new attitude and a new approach to work. And we were gaining momentum. You know, uh, the season was temporarily postponed uh, just about 10 days prior to our home opener. Um, we had over 42,000 tickets sold. We were averaging between five and 700 tickets a day and expecting that number to rise. So it's fair to say we were on track for a sellout. But um, what, the, what the league suspension has allowed us to do is reflect. And, you know, once we all got past the upheaval of a new life, you know, working from home, uh, homeschooling for those that that have children. What it is to, to what it is to live alone and be alone if you don't have a roommate or family with you. You know, once we've gotten through those initial pains and discomfort of something being so radically different, we're starting to settle into a routine. We've gone back to our strategic plan to to continue to work it and. And take advantage of not being in the grind of a, of the wristwatch and the clock on the wall so that we can properly think and re-examine what we're doing and how we're doing it and figure out, is there a better way? Uh, but yeah, no, music to my ears, right? Because it really is. Uh, and I think everyone should be able to relate to this because we're all under deadline all the time for everything in our life, uh, practically. And even if the pause comes for reasons that are pretty, that are extremely awful, you know, like once in a lifetime, perhaps awful, hopefully awful, uh, hopefully once in a lifetime for, for most of us um, or for a lot of us, that it really is a blessing. You really can do things. I, I was talking to my friend the other day who worked at, uh, for the league actually. And he told me in his new job, he's like, this is like given the entire company, which is a startup, late stage startup, I think, time to pause and do the things they never could do, you know, cause they're in startup mode doing those things. And in a way, so are you guys, right. With the rebrand, you don't get this chance very often. It, it is. Look, the, the message that we've given to staff is um, how can you make yourself better as a person in this time? How can you make yourself better as a professional in this time? And while you're doing those things, how can you think about ways that we can make the club better? So we're really trying to stress creativity and innovation uh, as well as just progress in getting better. It's excellent. I think we hopefully listen closely, everybody, and you should all be listening to Uncle Nelson because these are really, really important points. So why don't we switch gears again? How are things at home? I mean, what's life like there with your family and those kind of things? Yeah, look, like like everybody else, it's it's been an adjustment. Um, our home is is a little bit interesting um, through through a different set of circumstances. We have my my uh, wife's sister's family who also lives with us, so we have 
10 people and two dogs. Uh, (laughs) How do you social distance like in that environment? (laughs) Well, you know, I, 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 a neighbor came over for a cup of sugar and we had to send one of the kids out of the house because the limit is 10 people. So (laughs) I didn't know that. um, I didn't know that. (laughs) uh, We, we made the decision a little over two weeks ago to, uh, to, to truly quarantine and, and we have not had visitors, nor have we visited other people. Sure. Um, you know, the range of kids is from 11 to a junior in college. But um, that sounds, you know, that starts to sound like, it's starting to sound like fun, actually. I mean, yeah, I mean it sounds like we, every night is pretty much a, a new adventure. We, we get along. Um, and, and for me, it's been, again, I, I, I prefer to look at a challenge as an opportunity I prefer to look at um, difficult moments as as through uh, through a glass half full, and and for me, you know, it it brings me back a little bit to my childhood. You know, when when I was much younger, we didn't have 500 channels on the television. We didn't have the internet. We, you know, I think Atari had just kind of come out for those who might be from my generation. So. Seeing seeing my kids and my wife do a puzzle together, um, seeing older siblings help young, younger siblings with homework, which might not happen in the daily crush of routine, is a little bit special, uh, reaffirming. And I think that the the great human spirit and the great American spirit also tends to shine in these moments. So, you know, all the people who are medical service providers or even the people who are you know, and I say this sincerely, courageously stocking oh, supermarket shelves without question really deserve our gratitude. Um, but it's life is good for us. We're healthy. We have a, a home. And so uh, we're great. Right. No, you mentioned you, what you pointed out earlier is really important. And I don't think I've I don't think I've thought enough about people who are home alone, you know, because of that's where they, they live alone. Right. And maybe, and they don't have a significant other that they are, you know, uh, quarantining with. So that's something we should all be on the, the, the lookout for and, you know, reach out to those people and make sure we're you know, doing our part uh, and, and not just, you know, playing fancy board games, which is so much fun. Um, but there, you, know, <laughs> you, have, you have a board game of preference, Robbie? So we're, we're kind of big board game people. Uh, you know, what we were until my son got sick of my wife and I fighting over the board game. So we play Catan a lot. In fact, we have multiple versions. We piece them all together in kind of a Franken-Catan thing. So we get these very elaborate games. But a couple of years ago, she's very competitive. I'm fairly competitive. It just it blows up in game time sometimes. So my son got sick of it and said, "No more, no more game time." Okay, so a couple more things I wanted to, to touch on. Uh, just one was like, what 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 do you think we're going to learn from all this, or things that you see people doing differently, you know, in your business or elsewhere that you think is going to stick? You know, it's a really good question, Robbie, and. That usually means you don't have an answer. No, I, I, I'm kidding. I try to be thoughtful. <laughs> I haven't. Um, I've, I've tried to stay in the moment for the club because I still think that um, there, the situation is so fluid. Um, emotions are still uh, starting to simmer or or remain unsettled. You know, I, I mentioned the folks who 
who live alone, you know, if you're if you're older, even older than I am, I, I imagine there's a heightened sense of anxiety because, you know, the statistics are showing you're you're more susceptible. Um, so I haven't given a lot of thought to how society may change. You know, we've I've I've been giving thought to. Um, how we ride this out as a club this year, what advice I'm going to give to our ownership. Um, how can I help the league in its planning for when right. we resume? Because we know we will resume. Uh, we just we just don't know when and, and the form may change. I, right. I don't think the game will inherently change. And for as much as we tend to see these historic moments as altering us in some profound way there's a, a little bit of a rebound i think so there'll be some change um i i don't i haven't yet determined if i think it'll be significant or fleeting yeah absolutely no i think that's fair and and I, that's the kind of thing that i expect a month from now we'll be able to even talk about in a more sophisticated way than we can you know today uh okay well listen let's do uh I mean, this is the first time I'm actually doing this part uh, because this is the first time that something's going to be recorded and, and come out. So I've got a list of all the jobs I've done in my life and you get to pick a number between one and 55. Whoa, 55 jobs, 55 jobs. And these are the paying, these are jobs where like I reported tax to the IRS or reported wow. my earnings to the IRS. Since I was right. age 16, I'm, I'm Gen X, so it's been a lot. I'm going. Lot of I'm years. going with my uh, with my personal lucky number thirteen. Number thirteen. Okay, so that is. I was a DJ at a teen club in Houston. Well, it was a teen club and also an after hours nightclub uh, playing. This is in 1989, most likely. Yes, 1989. The club was on Washington Avenue. The club's name was Zazu. Wow, mind you. This Were is 19, you spinning yeah, 1989. I, yes, I was spinning records. I was mixing All records right. to very not very many people. Uh, the and the other bar was the place called. It was not a bar because it's after hours. Uh, it was af, Afterlife. I don't remember the name of that one, but that was you know till five a.m. or something. And so I was spinning records, playing stuff like Front Two Four Two and you know techno dance music, house stuff. Back Did in, you enjoy uh, it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was fascinated by music loved music and just loved the idea that you could mix records and keep people dancing and that were was, you good at it no well i was really really good at music selection i was very very poor at first in mixing records because i was adhd <laughs> it was almost impossible i had no idea um but if i like i drank a ton of diet coke then it became a lot easier because so i was going to make caffeine so I got, luckily I was diagnosed at 35, you know, after I had only done enough damage for four lifetimes. After but, you've only done 38 or so jobs. Something like that. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever done? Um, I, I, I'll tell you about the shortest job I ever had. How about that? Sure. I've got one of those. So um, I was hired to drive an ice cream truck and sell ice cream. And on my first ride, I was uh, going around the bend and I had a blowout. And this was a taller ice cream truck. And in trying to handle the blowout, 
the truck actually tipped on its side. Um, I know this will sound fantastical, but on my children's head, it's the truth. As the truck was tipping, I, I unbuckled my seatbelt and landed on my feet um, inside the truck. I climbed out of the truck. Um, you know, the, the police came and they took the tow trucks came and they took the, the ice cream truck away and I never worked another day and I never sold an ice cream. How old were you? Oh boy. I would say somewhere between 18 and 20. Right. Okay. In that, in that, in that part where everyone tells you you're an adult, but like, you know, that's not even close to true. Um, you're just a child with, you know, more hair. Uh, so okay, that's great. Did, did like the ice cream come spilling out or was it just uh, stay self-contained it, it, disaster? It, it didn't come spilling out, but I, but unfortunately I do think that the refrigeration in the truck was, was ruined. So I felt really terrible for the owner of the truck. Uh, the owner was very good. He, he, he did not, you know, he, he knew it wasn't my fault and he was more concerned if I was okay. But, um, I, I don't think I, I don't think I was paid and, and like I said, I was an ice cream. I'm the only person who was supposed to sell ice cream and never sold one. Right, right. I mean, it literally sells itself almost. So, um, excellent. Okay. Um, and you know what? I think, I think that's it. What's your what's your our, um, Armageddon food or, or apocalypse food? It, you'll you'll hear when you go back when I actually have put up the opening for the show in the intro. I actually tell the story about peanut butter from the grocery store. I realize that's my <clears throat> that's the food where if I can't, don't have access to Jif creamy peanut butter, I might start making poor decisions or you know things that I wouldn't be proud of per se. So uh, if, if it has to like make it through Armageddon, as you said, I'm going to go with um, popcorn. Oh, interesting choice. Yeah. So like just a huge vat of kernels that you pop yourself. Uh, well, it has to be popped. Uh, That's true. <laughs> otherwise but I'd be I will... in trouble. So, but, but correct. Um, correct. I meant like microwave versus stovetop, I guess. So yeah. I look, I'm, again, I'm, I'm old school. <laughs> I grew up with uh, what was called Jiffy Pop and you did so that right. over the stove and you shook, shook it and it grew. So if, if I have access to fire and an unlimited supply, I'm going Jiffy Pop. Well, we're going to have access. If we don't have access to fire, we are in big, big, big trouble. Probably so. <laughs> we're a Jiffy Pop household ourselves. Um, everyone, that I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And Nelson, thank you so much for taking the time uh, with me today. Thanks, Robbie. I appreciate it. I hope your listeners uh, were had a nice diversion for a short period. Godspeed to everyone. And uh, thanks again to all the people on the front lines who, who are working for the good of the rest of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone, that is it. Uh, season one, episode two of Out of Office. I hope uh, you were all well. Stop touching each other. Okay, do not touch each other and, and stand far apart. But but you can be social. You can make eye In fact, you know what I found out? If you make eye contact, you're much less likely to run into somebody. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Nelson. Everyone be safe. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.